So this is our first in-between-isode. That's what I'm calling these, in-between-isodes, where each month you and I are going to follow up on the main podcast for that month, and we're going to download about it. We're going to break it down. We're going to talk about how it uh, impacted us. You and I and maybe special guests someday. It's going to be fun. Yes. So these are in-between-isodes. These are short little nuggets. We're just going to talk about what really landed for us in the last interview, or maybe what we're still, we still might have questions about. So in this in-between episode, we actually tried to record this last night or the previous night. Um, And it was so fortuitous because we got into an argument <laughs> and we're, did you record it? Uh, did you, I record our, our yeah. argument? Well, I deleted it. I, cause I was oh. just like, yeah, I don't want to listen. It would have been kind of cool to pick out some pieces and give people the real view, the real deal. Well, we might still, yeah. I mean, I, we, we might. might still argue. So hang on, <laughs> but it was so cool because this podcast that we are downloading about that we are breaking down, that we are debriefing, over. Uh, It's about relationships and it's about conflict. Mm -hmm. And so we got into a conflict about conflict Mm -hmm. last night and it was so great. And of course, in the moment, it it was not great. But after we had decided that, hey, yeah, let's do this again tomorrow morning. I reflected on it. I was like, actually, this is perfect. This is so perfect that we got into a conflict about a podcast interview about conflict. So I guess let's start off by <laughs> talking about our conflict. Do we want to talk about the conflict? We have enough distance now. It'd probably be okay. Well, we have the tools now. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the cool thing is that Jason Gaddis and many other mental and emotional health experts that we've worked with uh, on Yes Collective and then previously on uh, with Maxwell Project over time have given us a lot of tools and we've learned a lot of tools over time. And so... It was so fantastic because it is exactly what Jason said in the podcast. You're never going to get rid of conflict. Like you have, if you are in a, in a high stakes relationship, like that's what he he said. If you're, if you're in a high stakes relationship, you have two people who are independent, autonomous, and there will be conflict. Mm -hmm. And that is not a sign that the relationship is faulty, that there's anything wrong with the relationship. This is actually the nature of real relationships. And if you have a relationship where there's no conflict, well, then something might be actually wrong. Like one of the partners or both might be shut down. There is so... Um, the fact that we had a conflict over conflict last night is actually indicative of the 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 health yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, our, of our relationship. And so we also have these tools to repair. Yeah. So for Jason, uh, from what I heard, one of the things that um, could be really useful is uh, sticking with that conflict. And, and we both had some activation. I mean, it wasn't a 10 by any means. It was like a three or four. Like, I don't think it was highly activated, but he mentions sticking with it, you know, kind of staying in it and coming to zero together and developing the skills to do that. We didn't really do that last night. Like I definitely did not have the bandwidth to just completely stick with it. I mean, part of it is just, we kind of disagreed and uh, sort of hearing each other out and coming in understanding on the, on, on the disagreement. And can um, I give the listeners uh, like a high level overview of the conflict? I think we should at this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the way that I understood mm-hmm. it is we started recording and you Audra had 
brought up. You asked me. Oh, I asked you. You asked me what my impressions were of the podcast. Yes, since yes, I yes. wasn't there. And so, yes. And so one of the first things that you brought up was something that related back to an old long-standing disagreement that you and I have, have, have had in the past, but that I feel like has kind of dropped off and we haven't really had this issue, you know, in the past couple of years, but the way that I interpreted you bringing up this old long-standing conflict was like, Hey, Jason said I was right about this old long-standing conflict and you were wrong. And that's not what you said. <laughs> I totally, I totally own that. That is not what you said, but that is what I heard. And that is what I felt. And so I was starting to feel like, oh, well, I need to defend this old view that I had that I that that I that I still have some, you know, that like I still want to defend some of that ground. And then we we and then it, it kind of devolved after that. And that was the conflict as I understood it. How does that land for you? Yeah. So my segue into the conversation, which was one of the things I loved about the podcast and I love about Jason's approach is, is being able to stay with the, the hard feelings, staying with the difficult moments, staying with the, the big feelings that come up, whether it's with your partner or your kids or, or any, anyone else and working towards getting to zero, working towards taking that activation from whatever number it is to a place of uh, what I would hope would be mutual understanding. And so what it reminded me of as a segue to like start into that was this old conflict that we had is just like differing points of view, very, very differing points of view around whether or not you should fight in front of your kids. And I would love to hear if anyone else has has this sort of disagreement with their partner, because I bet it's a pretty common thing. I think that there are like different viewpoints on this. And for me, what Jason was saying was supportive of a better version of, of what I used to think was okay. Like I have always felt because I came from or come from a, a divorced parents. I come from a you know divorced setting and they never really disagreed in front of us at all or fought or anything. So it was like completely blindsiding. And one of the things I realized is like what was modeled for me often was like really dysfunctional, like kind of passive aggressive strategies and things like that, like for my grandmother and and how cool it would be to move towards like something that incorporates what Jason's talking about, which is of course a much healthier version of it's not fighting. It's not, it's not being triggered and going off on each other in front of the kids, but being able to model coming to zero, you know, and like what that's like and how cool that would be. So I was trying to get there. And I think you just heard the beginning part and the start of it. And it just like shut down. Yeah, I will. I, yeah, I felt like I wanted to defend this old position of not fighting in front of the mm -hmm. kids. Anyways, so. And to be clear, I never thought you should like hit below the belt in front of the kids, but for you, and any clear, sort of triggered also, when activation. We're talking about yes. fighting. We're not talking about physical. Yes, exactly, <laughs> like exactly, we have, yeah, exactly. We have never. And I'm not talking about calling names. Like you have to, yeah. for me, even, even it, when we didn't have the skills and we didn't yeah. do this well, I never thought you should get, you know, be, be mean or any in and get into those spaces. And if you're into those spaces, then yeah, that shouldn't, shouldn't occur that way. But man, even if you do it 
in a messy, it's not perfect kind of way, but you can show those kids resolution and that you disagreed, maybe even got heated and triggered, but you love each other and you could come to zero and you could like resolve that. Like that is from my view and the way that I grew up, that's super cool. Yes. And I grew up in a family where my parents never argued and it didn't feel repressive to me. It didn't feel like some, they were able in some way to just whatever disagreements they had were, it was just so far in the background It never bubbled to the surface. So it didn't feel repressive to me. I don't think it's ideal, but it doesn't strike me as, as the worst thing. If you have two parents who are able to say, Hey, let's whatever's happening right now, we can just table it. And then well, we can talk about it later. I do agree that the superior approach would yeah, be, I have a, but I have a follow up question with you around that, because in, in the podcast, one of the things that you talked to with Jason was about how big emotions, feelings were not welcome. Totally. And so it makes me think like, I mean, your parents just may have been really in that space. Like totally. these, these things are not welcome. And you've got that message loud and clear. Um, and and to be clear, my mom and dad listened to this podcast. So mom, dad, I love you. <laughs> yeah. And we're all doing the best we can, <laughs> yeah. you know, with, with what we have. And in, in my home, like I had kind of a mix of it, you know, because I had a partially really vocal Italian family where like, there's a lot of big feeling displays, (laughs) you know, and it doesn't mean that people are like really mad at each other or hold anything. There is sort of like a lot of outbursts. (laughs) And then my mom's side of the family is like, not like that at all. Like there, you barely, I think Mm -hmm. display big feeling. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, you could maybe talk about somebody later <laughs> you know, or whatever, but I think we all have in common and I bet our parents do too. And their parents do too. This is like multi-generational cycles of the tools that we're given are the tools we have, you know, like until we change that until we find, and our parents had zero resources. I feel like for changing any of this stuff, mm-hmm. um, there was really nothing to help them move away from their inherited cycles and the ways that they approach, approach parenting. So like, I feel, I mean, I feel for them talking to my mom about it. She was like always wanted to do better, but didn't have the tools. And one thing that she recognizes that it's harder for parents today. So Mm. I feel about my parents that they did better than their parents. Yes, there, there is there. Absolutely. And I know for a fact that my mother. And, and father both broke cycles. Yeah, for sure. So I want but, to honor that. Yeah, even yeah, as yeah, yeah. We say yeah. that we can and do I'm better not than our parents. Suggesting that they didn't also break cycles, but they didn't have many of many of the tools that are coming out today mm-hmm. are like groundbreaking oh, for totally. um, for <clears throat> yeah. for how how we relate to each other. So what what strikes me about like one thing I loved about the conversation was really bringing to light how in our discomfort as parents and as partners, we often like what we've known is shutting out emotions and big feelings. What we've known is sending them to their room. What we've known is walking away, shutting it down. I don't want to hear it. Gaslighting Mm. anything to deal with our discomfort around the temper tantrums, the outbursts, the the crying, the whatever it might be that we're uncomfortable with. 
Does any of that resonate with you? I know that that when we had our argument conversation last night, you started out talking about our 20 year, yeah. 20 year anniversary. That's tomorrow. Yes. Um, 20 years ago today, we were having a rehearsal dinner and, and, and all of that. And in Phoenix, Arizona, looking back, thinking about this, like this, this conversation you had with Jason, was any of any of our history going through your mind as, as you were talking with him about these tendencies to, to shut out? Honestly, you know? I feel like it's been a real game changer in the last several years for us. And so it's hard for me to think back even five, 10, about like 20 years. It's just like so hard for me to think back and like, how, how did we like, how did we do conflict 20 years? Yeah, ago? I, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I don't, yeah, it's like, a, it's like all a blur to me. Yeah. Cause I really didn't, didn't have the tools. And so over the last, I would say three years, but I would say, especially last two years, I have learned so many tools. I feel personally, like I have just leveled up my communication skills and my relationship skills. And so when I was talking with Jason, it was more like, oh, this is so cool. This is, this is so in alignment with so much that I've learned and that I've been practicing and I'm, and I'm excited to talk about it. And so I didn't really think about, <laughs> you know, long ago because it's like, oh my God, I was, you know, it's kind of like, I was just, I was dumb and I don't know what I was doing. And I can't remember. Even. I don't. I, I, like, I, I don't, wiped it from my memory. And if you want to bring up yeah. stuff, I I'm happy to apologize. Right. I now. don't. Well, <laughs> like I don't recall you being dumb. I don't recall any of that. I mean, I think it taps into the core of what Jason was talking about. The past is never where you think you left it. Mm. You know that. Uh, what is a su- surface argument becomes about quickly about so much more. It gets into the conversation around projection. It gets into the, you know, all of these things. So, and I couldn't agree more that the skill building, it's not just a skill relational skill building that you did. It's the inner work. It's truly like the deep dive yeah. inner work. Well, that's one thing that two, he talks about. Yes. Right? And those two things together. So though that is what changed things for us. I mean, I still can remember like it was yesterday multiple exchanges, multiple times of, to be honest with you, gaslighting, like just, just being shut down. That's not how you're feeling. That is not right. That is not, you know, like that, that kind of thing. And hearing Jason, you and Jason talk, what comes up for me is like significant compassion, you know, too, because what I was feeling is something that you couldn't hold remotely hold space for. There were not the tools or the resources or like kind of like the emotional fitness, if you will, to, to handle it. Well, hearing that Mm -hmm. I am feeling a desire to clarify that I have never, I, I do not have a memory of ever consciously. When I think of gas lighting, I think of someone who consciously knows that this is not the case, but I'm going to say that this is the case. Like, I I know that this is not A, but I'm going to tell you that it's A. And so I... I, I have no memory and and uh, of ever doing that. So if I if if you felt that way, I I mean, 
uh, I will say that I that I absolutely shut down emotionally, and so I was not available so, to what you were yeah, feeling, when, and so I just projected onto you. Yeah. yeah, and and when you're denying a person's experience and feelings and emotions, and you're saying no, you don't feel that way, you may not be con- like you may not be fully conscious of that's gaslighting, but that is. Like they're they're in, you know, there is, it's, it's a, it's a complicated <laughs> picture. Yes, I absolutely. Yes. So I think one thing that's incredible for people to understand in listening to this podcast and the skills that are built this way is like, if this is active in your life and your relationships, like you don't have to live this way. You, I mean, this is one thing I love about Jason's podcast, you can do the work and you can make it, and it, it's not rocket science change, it's you know, it's science. not something that takes but it does take years courage. of therapy, but it takes courage and it takes work, but it can revolutionize your life, <clears throat> like completely yeah. transform your life by, yeah. by doing, doing some things that are kind of like readily available. The way that I remember my coming into this relational communication work it did really start with inner work. Like it did start with, with me having therapeutic experiences that were, that allowed me to get in touch with really painful emotional wounds. And that allowed me to open up. And if I could be with these emotional wounds and the, and these intense feelings inside, and I could be with them long enough to get some healing then I know that I can be with your intense feelings yep. long enough for us to heal together. Yeah. And I think that was, that was the first part of the journey. And it, I mean, as I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, but it started with you getting curious around yourself. That's, that's what I remember. I remember you vocalizing yeah. like for the first time getting curious, like I want to explore this anxiety. Like I yes. need to know. I need to do root work. I yes. need to know what is going on. I'm not just interested, you know, yes. like I remember you were meditating a ton. Yes. I mean, you had been meditating for years at yes. that point. Mm. And you were like, I need to do root work here. Like, this is not, I, I, I want to know more. Yeah. So that was, I, I would say it probably started about three years ago and it grew out of the work we were doing with Maxwell Project and working with stress management programs mm-hmm. for childhood cancer parents and then realizing, oh man, I, I don't have my own stress mm-hmm. managed <laughs> yeah. and I need to work on this. And that was part of the meditation and mindfulness stuff. But then over years, it was like, yeah, the meditation and the mindfulness and the traditional conventional mindfulness approach helped. It absolutely helped 100%. It's better than the alternatives, better than not doing that, but it didn't get to the root of the problem. Yep. And that's what led on this therapeutic journey. And the meditation and today. mindfulness, the way that it was being done, because you do it a different way now, right? And that's one thing that came up in the podcast that was really cool that Anne actually commented on on social media that she loved is the concept that both that you and Jason talked about of meditating, but instead of just following the breath, like following the feeling, following yes. the sensation, following yes. the uh, that was discomfort. a game changer. Mm-hmm. Shout out to. Douglas and Allie Totterin mm-hmm. uh, and the bioemotive approach for really highlighting this this really important part of a mindfulness practice of opening up to emotions and really getting curious around these emotions. Absolutely. And it sounds like that helped you 
develop less fear around it. Like if, if you're coming from an environment where it's not just our families, it's our entire society, it's school, it's, you know, friends, it's like everything It's our whole environment is like uh, emoting is not allowed. No. And we learn this from a young age. There are certain emotions, there are certain expressions that are not allowed. And if you choose to continue to feel these things and express them, you are going to lose attachment. Yeah. And right. so this is this is this is taught in most homes at uh, you know for most uh, for most people and so Jason we, talks about the timeout as a like prime yes, example of yes, that like, we this is put our kids okay. in a timeout yeah and and we thought it was like better than it's better and it is better <laughs> you know, like that's 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 it's the thing totally better than spanking you know throughout the entire mental and emotional and relational mm-hmm. health world it's all gradation like it's like it's all yeah. like there are certain practices that we can say like timeout yeah timeouts aren't the best but they're certainly better than what our parents did or, or, or past or generations. Their parents did. It's like, yeah, I yeah, will give yeah, you something yeah. to cry about by hitting you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. So, so it's like, absolutely. This is all, this is all just steps up. And then what I, I, as, as I did this inner work, then I was able to be with intense emotions in others. And that was a game changer for being with, both of my kids, but especially our daughter, Maisie, and her big emotions. Mm-hmm. So as I was able to be more accepting of my own intense mm-hmm. feelings, I could be accepting of hers and I mm-hmm. could stick with it. And mm-hmm. so instead of, hey, this is not okay, shut it down and go to your room. It is now, okay, I'm here for this. And I know this is uncomfortable, but I want to hear you out. And I want to really understand what's happening here. So let's let's talk. Yeah, yeah. Can I just share what comes up for me? It, like vividly in this is the imagery of that dad on TikTok who sat with his toddler, his baby toddler having a, a tantrum. Absolutely. Yes. Gorgeous video. Yes. Right. And he sits with that child and the tantrum goes and goes and goes. And he's patiently, like beautifully, kindly sitting like, you know, uh, cross-legged or something and like sitting just next to the child or with the child. And then there's this point where the child just looks at him and comes over for a huge hug. Right. What's interesting to me, you told me this, that you followed up on his social media to see what was going on and folks called CPS on, on him (laughs) and saw that as child abuse. You know, meanwhile, I'm like the way that we came up with that, you know, was time out for that. Oh, totally. And no, you, you go to your room for that. Yeah, yeah. He's the beautiful evolution, you know, like this is what I like, wish I could turn back the clock and do, 100%. you know, I would like want to have another kid so we can <laughs> do it better. But, you know, there's a part. So yeah. I have a part yeah. and uh, an inner part that watching that video was like, Oh, this is ridiculous. Send that kid to it to his mm. to his or her room. And I was able to sit with that part and be like, oh man, I know. Who's that? Who's that? What's that part? <clears throat> well, it's a part that that is fearful of the that is still fearful of these of big, these big of these mm. big emotions. And and it feels it feels chaotic. It feels oh. destructive. It feels like, oh, this is so dangerous. So being really able, yeah. So being able to like sit with that and and then and and then see the resolution because I because I of course have 
other parts that are like, no, this is like, we've experienced this before. Mm -hmm. It's okay. This child is in a safe space. The father is like totally holding the space. Everything's fine. And this, this really is just needs, needs to be expressed. Oh. And then the other part that was like, like this child will be spoiled. Like this child will, you know, if it, if it just gets to act like this, you know, it, it, like it won't be a part of the tribe. Like it won't, like, like it can't conform to the tribe. So all, all of, all of these older concerns. And then of course I have other parts that were able to, you know, say, let's just hold on. Let's just hold on. Like, you know, where you, you know, where this is going because you've seen it in yourself and you've seen it in mm. your kids, you know, where this is going. And it turned out, I was like, yes. And I remember feeling relief at the end and I could feel these parts start to relax. Interesting. Yeah. When, when I saw it, I feel like I had two main things come up. One was regret because Mm. the main thing that came up for me was overwhelming relief, like almost like I was that kid and just needed that space to be held for that. Like I could identify. It was like, Uh, yeah, I was identifying with the dad, you know, beautiful. (laughs) Like this kid is just being held and like letting it out. Cause I, you know, I know, remember having toddlers thinking, what do you mean fix this? Like, what do you, like, I didn't, you know, what, what do you mean? Like, like it doesn't seem to make sense or work or be a thing to put them in timeout around these feelings. Like it just doesn't, it, as a mom, it's not making sense to me, but it's what we're supposed to do. So it's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up because it's like, we come into parenting with these stories and, and ideas and these things from the world around us that we think we are supposed to do. So a part of the dad's courage is showing another way, you know, that to me, I found to be profoundly relieving. Yeah. It's so interesting. As a parent, like all I have to do is hold the space and sit with my toddler. Like, <clears throat> oh my God. Now I realized they were at home. They weren't in Target. Yeah. You know, they 100%. weren't in the checkout line 100%. or on a freaking airplane. Oh, but you know what? Because <laughs> they were at home and were able to do that mm-hmm. at, at home, it didn't happen at yeah. A checkout line. It yeah, didn't yeah, have yeah, like yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I really That's do really believe. I really do believe like if if we can practice this stuff on a daily basis, it doesn't pour out in these other situations. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean that like of course there's an exception to every rule, but but um yeah, the other thing is that was just coming up is so one of the most important things that Jason teaches in his relationship school and his workshops and all this stuff is something called listening until the other person feels fully understood. Yes. Or short, it's lufu for yeah. listening until fully understood. Um and that seems so simple, but what that dad was doing, and again, I want to make sure for anyone who hasn't seen this before, they can go look it up, right? Well, if we they can, were to, can we post it? Like, yeah, we can, we yeah, can, post it. Yeah, we can no, share it. Yeah. It, yeah. It'll be we'll good to post it. it so that yeah. you'll be able to see this, but in a way like that's the parent toddler version of listening until, full, yeah. until yeah. the other person feels yeah fully understood. And as I told Jason in the interview, when I first heard about Lufu, I thought, oh yeah, I got that. Like, no problem. I'm going to listen to Audra until I believe I understand her. <laughs> and this, I have to say, is is my experience. Yeah. And this is what I was talking about with the fighting before was the concept of, oh no, I understand 
Yes. Yes. Like because without me being able to say a word, I have a uh-huh. highly analytical uh, yes, part yes, I, yes. that is like, oh, I will listen. Oh, I, I'll totally listen. Yeah. No, I'm going to listen. And then I'm going to write a dissertation about it. But the other thing was, <laughs> I know you better than you know you. Yes, I'm uh, not like, totally. do not believe you're. Yes. What this, you're saying to me, I don't believe. Part. Yes. Right. And so then what I have really been working on and um, and it's absolutely still a work in progress is listening until Audra says she feels understood. Like, no, Justin, you finally get it <laughs> after, you know, all this time. So um, that is what that I feel like that was the parent toddler version in this clip of this dad just sitting there, not until he's like, okay, no, I see that you're upset about the toy. Finally, I get that you're upset about the toy. It was like, no, the dad was going to be there. So the toddler could just express it all. And then the toddler lets the dad know you finally get it when the toddler just collapses and comes in for a a, a hug. Yeah. That was powerful. You and Jason both seem to, you know, connect on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I think one of the things that makes Jason such a powerful advocate in this field is that he grew up in this in a similar household to to us as you know emotional repression not not severe not like traumatic no normal but normal for the time like very normal emotional repression and then this leads to an adolescence and young adulthood that is awkward that like i'm not sure what emotions are okay for me to express and then i have these feelings that i have to keep down. And then, and then I think that being good at relationships is just making sure people like me. And so it leads to all sorts of just miscommunication and dysfunction and unhappiness. And so Jason has been through that cycle and then he has done the work and has these amazing tools. So I think that's what made that interview so enjoyable for me. Yeah. One of the things that I found really interesting was his um, discussion of I think it'd be validating and supportive to most people in relationships um, in these big, you know, meaningful, important relationships is that the majority of things we disagree about or we have conflict over are not what we think we're walking into having conflict over. Yes. The argument is never about what it's about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there'll be like a moment where it's about that, but it's, it's really about all the, all the things that oh, it triggers it tri- around yes, it. It's, it's like, Oh and no, what it's really about is, you know, you don't love me or yeah. like, or, or I'm afraid that, you know, you have um, like this deep judgment about me or you know. many, many, as he put it, childhood things, yeah. you know, things that as you, and as you would put it parts, right. Um, and so I found that to be really interesting. And for us being together for 20 years, like the way that we had seen it is that we have old stories about each other, but more recently you reframe that of like, we have parts that have developed around each other. Like when you're, when you're with someone long enough Mm. or with people long enough, um, you will have potentially, especially since we didn't have, you know, skills around this for the longest time, um, wounds, and there will be parts. Easy example for me would be, I think one of the skills that you used to use back in the day was like your supreme argumentative argumentation skills. Like we're going to court. Logic. We are going to court. And, and everybody listening we need to this, bring evidence. please know that Justin <laughs> like could have been an incredibly successful attorney, like probably like top, top, top. Like if he didn't have like sort of the 
the need to bring good things into the world and just like be everything that you've done, like, like everything that you've wanted to do to like make a huge difference in the world, positive difference in the world. You could have been like, you know, a massive like defense attorney or, you know, something like that. That's how you used to argue. I don't know if you remember this, but it would quickly escalate into, well, you just said, well, this, you know, and like this, 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 you know, argumentative oh, totally. style. No, would, that, because I would want to win. Like I, I, and, I wasn't concerned about the relationship. No, I just wanted to win. No. And what's cool now. So I have, you know, had parts that have developed around that the wounding that came out of that. I know that I've had like protector, my own protectors, like about you, you yes, know, specifically, yes, yes. but some of the cool things that have come out of that is like us being able to do this work 20 years plus later in, in recognizing these things. And another cool thing for me to add to that is just like doing the work of self-understanding is so helpful. Even things like the Enneagram for us, not just like the inner work. I mean, it's cool things like that. Like I'm like, God, I'm a number nine peacemaker, you know, or like, that's what I identify as. And like this style, like really doesn't work for me, but you're, if you're identified as a number one, like this is your style. You yeah. are right. Above yeah, all like else, the you know? reform, yeah. The yeah. number one. Um, yeah, so it's interesting, right. like encouraging people to not only recognize these parts that can build up over time, but being able to be conversant around them and welcome them. And see them in your conversation and be like, you know, I've got this coming up right now, you know, and, and then working towards self and mutual understanding using these tools. And I think just Jason's point around that aspect of conflict is just being aware of that. You don't even have to have any like perfect tools around it or anything like that. It's just being like, oh, right. This isn't really about that, is it? Yeah. And you feel it in yourself. Once you recognize it, you're like, uh, I got a lot of shit about this. This is like complicated. You know, I've had some things with you where I've been like, you know what? I'd love to get further into this, but I think it's really complicated Mm. and kind of intense. And it feels not only daunting, but a little bit much for me right now. So like, I'm not going to go into, let's just stick with resolving the tip of this iceberg because I'm not going to be able to go into the rest of it right now. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to note that we are using a lot of language around parts Mm -hmm. that comes from internal family systems therapy. And we are going to have one of the pioneers in internal family Mm -hmm. systems therapy on the podcast uh, first week in April. So hold on to your hats. It's also what our coaching program is modeled around a lot. And um, this is going to be really powerful for the self healer because this is a a really amazing modality that you can use like with um an IFS therapist but but that you can also like dig into yourself. Yes. So be sure to tune in because that podcast yeah. is going to explain everything around parts. Yes. So parts. speaking of parts, yeah. you know, and uh, what, what, as you get into IFS, you're going to learn that these parts develop all throughout life. But very often we, as we're the age that we're at right now, we're reflecting on and discovering parts of our childhood very often. So Jason, you and Jason did talk about parenting a number of times, you know, and so we talked about the timeout. Um, which I thought was just a beautiful part of the conversation. But another part that I really loved is hearing about the overcorrection in what he called overattachment parenting. And this really struck a chord with me because a lot of times 
when it comes to parenting, one of the things that one of the inner questions that I ask myself is, am I doing this out of Mm -hmm. hope or out of fear? And if it's something that I'm encountering that's striking a fear chord, I really want to examine it. And what I heard in what Jason was talking about was fear on the part of these parents, the hyper, hyper neurotic, kind of like like hyper-focused on perfection and doing the attachment thing right, parents, is fear. Fear of uh, detachment or inattachment or fear of doing it wrong or fear of messing up their kids, fear of... You know, so it is, you know, it manifests in um, not just, you know, typical, normal, amazing baby wearing and co-sleeping, you know, as many of us, most of us have been really so happy to do, but the over, over attachment, there is, um, I don't know if you remember years ago, the story of this, this mom went into this of like, she wouldn't like forcibly like put her child into, she wouldn't like put her child into the car seat and buckle them in you know, for example, um, because they didn't consent. And there, I don't, I don't know if you remember the story. I'm going to try to turn it up, but it was an over-attachment. It was about over-attachment parenting. Mm. And, you know, of course, some of the challenges that come out of it is a child that grows up as you had kind of shared about that, maybe the concern of that part about the video of not having skills to cope, self-soothe, to recognize that like if everything is done for them, everything, you know, it's like beyond the lawnmower parent, right? And if this is coming out of the parent's insecurity, right? It's about the parent, it's not about the kid, right? There's a danger in overattachment. What are your thoughts on that? What I'm remembering about that part of the conversation is the sense of parents wanting to over-control. Yes. It's just, it's just yes. over-control for their kids. And what is coming up now thinking about that is the idea of trust and the feeling that I have more and more that as I get to tap into my core true self, my ground essence, you know, and I get to know my authentic self, I have more trust in my kids' authentic self. Like I, I have more trust that like, okay, I need to be here to give them a a home and food. And I want to make sure that I'm just setting the stage for their true selves to come into the world. Kind of like that dad. I mean, again, we love this dad. You know, he didn't like force himself on the child to make himself. There's two versions of making yourself feel better, right? There's the go to your room, punishment, um, kind of version, which I'm uncomfortable with your big feelings. You, it, you need to kind of be not display these things. And so it needs to, you need to be punished or there's the discomfort and feeling, oh my gosh, I have so much anxiety around my child's tantrum. This means that we're out of connection. This means any number of like, you know, stories and things. I'm a bad parent. I'm a bad parent. <laughs> so I'm going to forcibly like hold them or do something that's maybe the opposite of the timeout, but is sort of still again out of the space of, of that deep, deep discomfort. Right. Yeah. Like I want to make sure that I'm a good parent. How can I do this so that I'm a good parent? What this dad did was trust the child's inner knowing around this, trust his own inner knowing and Mm -hmm. just sat and held the space. Right. Exactly. 
Exactly. Like that's a, just a beautiful, a beautiful example, you know, for all of us. And so I think it's one thing I loved about the, that part of the conversation. And, and the reason why I think Jason brought it up is because we we're talking about the loss of attachment and he wanted to talk about the other side of it and parenting, which is that comes from a very much the same place of discomfort, but that um, anxiety around maybe not being a good parent or not being a good enough parent and needing to, to forcibly like form attachment. Like yeah. I need to be, I am the cause of attachment only. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. It's just a fundamental lack of trust in yes. one's own true self yes. and the child's true self. Yes. Yeah. And either side of that coin presents some significant challenge. So, but in order to do that, that, that middle trusting ground, <clears throat> We've got to do work because like so much of parenting, it's about managing our own, like getting to know and managing like this, this world, you know, with our parts and dealing with ourselves. Like it starts inside first of mm -hmm. us, not mm -hmm. our children. Absolutely. So I now have an awareness that our plan was to make these in-between episodes short and that we're getting a little long on time here. So I do want to make sure that we get to talk about Jason's post-it note, because I think that ties into exactly what you were just saying. And then his quote that was really resonating for him at the time. So his post-it note for every parent was become more self-aware. Do you want to talk about how that landed for you? Not really after the, no, I'm just saying like after the, the, the time thing, I just want to like, after your awareness around the time, I don't want to like go into it and talk about it. Cause I don't think we have time, but what I want to share is how much I loved that post-it note and how much it is like the first post-it note. I feel like we we've seen so far that points to to doing the inner work and becoming self-aware is like getting curious around yourself is like the first, one of the first steps. And I just so appreciated that from him. Okay. Do you want to talk real quickly about the quote? What's the quote? Okay. So the quote is have enough. Okay. So uh, this is, I believe a Toni Morrison quote, have enough courage to trust love one more time, always one more time. Yeah. I love that quote. Beautiful quote. How does it relate to relationships for you? For me, it's like showing up, you know, it's like, it's, it's showing up and being present every time, like through every bit of feeling of like hurt, of failure, abandonment, you know, I didn't do this right. You know, maybe I raised my voice at my kid showing up for yourself with self-compassion, showing up for them, like just return, returning. Mm-hmm. For me, it points to never giving up on anyone. Yeah. Like, like there's no one who is just totally hopeless. Mm -hmm. Maybe Vladimir Putin. I was going to say, I mean, I've got a short list. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. Okay. Outside of that, right? Like have enough courage to trust love one more time. Always one more time. All right. Well, this is our first in between episode on the eve of our 20th anniversary. I love you. Love you too. All right. We'll see you guys next month. Hey, if you like what we're doing here at Yes Collective Podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player, share it with other parents in your life, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes Collective is a mental health movement for all parents. So let's spread the love.